You're listening to a podcast from Oasis Church Bath. To find out more about us, visit our website at www.oasisbath.org. So for those that don't know me, my name is Jo. I'm the hub leader here, which means it's my great privilege to lead the work of Oasis in Bath. And part of that role is to lead the church as well, uh, which is fantastic. And I'm really excited about this morning because we're going to do something slightly different in that we're going to sort of do a bit of, as Dave said, kind of looking back, looking forward as we begin our new year. So I don't know how people in the room feel about New Year's resolutions. I feel like they're a bit marmite, aren't they? You talk to some people and they're either like, yes, I've got my list of my 26 New Year's resolutions that I'm going, I've done five of them already. And, and then there's everybody else of us that is just like, what, what year is it? What am I doing? <laughs> What's my name? Um, so maybe you've kind of got mixed feelings about that, that kind of mindset of, of reflection in the, at this point of the year. I think some people find them helpful, some people don't. Some people have other traditions, don't they? So um, actually, was one thing we did during Communion Sunday last week was we looked at um, a list of questions, and some people found those really helpful, so we're going to make those available again today. Um, and I'd, for those on social media, you've probably seen you know, people have done this whole, like, posting a picture of themselves 10 years ago and then posting a picture of themselves today and uh, so with some quite hilarious results. Oh, I, I always feel like people look better when they're older. I've kind of looked at the pictures and I'm like, it's like people are really kind of, you know, they know who they are. And so it's interesting to see the, the comparison. And then you've got your, uh, your best nine on Instagram for any Instagram fans. So you uh, go on this website and it tells you your best nine. So your kind of most liked nine photos over the last year, um, which creates quite a nice little collage of, of, of your life, really. Or, you know, maybe you're joining the gym. Anybody doing vegan new I can never say it very well. No, no, that was maybe that was last year. Oh, someone, yes. Great. So some people are kind of trying new things, doing more of something, doing less of something. And uh, on one hand, I have an argument every year with my friend John, who always is very anti-New uh, Year. It's like, oh, the date's just changed. Get over it. Shut up. Whereas I argue and say, actually, yes, on one hand, the date has changed and everything is kind of the same. But on the other hand, we've got this opportunity, haven't we, for sort of reflection and remembrance, goal setting and growth, all of which I think are really biblical and, and holy things to do. So throughout history, we see God telling his people to remember. In fact, the word remember is used a lot in the Bible. If you kind of look up how many times, it's loads. He asks people to often remember the things that he's done in their lives, kind of where, where they've come from and where they are now, and remembering what he saved them from. And it's, it's a good thing to remember, and it's something that God asks us to do. In fact, in the Old Testament, one method of remembering was to build like a pillar or an altar of stones. If you want to sort of look at some examples of that, I'm not going to go into them today, but just if you want to look at it, there's one in 1 Samuel 7, 12, and then Joshua 4, 1 to 9. In fact, in that case, it's when God helps Joshua cross the Jordan River with the Ark of the Covenant, and Joshua does just that and then tells the Israelites that in generations to come, when their children ask what these stones mean, um, they can tell them the story of what God has done. So their re- remembrance helps others remember and passes on the stories of what God has done and also remembrance is done through things like festivals and rituals so the Passover feast obviously in communion that we celebrate now so remembering is important and God wants us to remember and also when we forget things don't go so well so the Israelites quickly forgot didn't they that God had rescued them from slavery in Egypt and at one point they even grumbled and said they wanted to go back there and so when we forget it's not a good thing So remembering is really important. Forgetting is not good. And we need to look back, but we also need to look forward. And again, this is something I think we can see throughout um, the Bible as God gave people sort of clear missions, purposes, callings, and directions. 
So we've had the prophets throughout history, which I think is essentially about getting us to look forward, um, whether that's to challenge us, to guide us, um, warn us, but also excite and comfort us maybe about what's ahead. In fact, whole seasons of the Christian calendar are devoted to waiting and preparing for something that's coming, such as things like Advent and Lent. And Paul in the New Testament made a lot of strategic decisions about where to go to sort of spread the gospel in the most effective way. So he targeted ports and places where lots of people would be coming and going so that the the message would kind of spread further. So I think looking forward and having a plan, having direction is also a good thing to do. So that's where we find ourselves today. We're going to join in this great tradition of looking back and looking forward um, as individuals, but as a community as well, um, to look back, to celebrate what we've achieved, and also perhaps thinking about 2020, 2020, and never know, 2020, 2020. I don't know how I'm going to say it, so I'll probably just say it in lots of different ways. Um, but our focus on what's ahead and the things that we want to see happen. And I reckon I'm probably going to do this every January. I think it might become a thing that we do just to help us kind of focus on the year ahead. Okay, so um, there's a picture that's been really significant to me this year. If you put the little mountains one up, so it's, I don't know if you can see it. So for the purposes of those listening on the podcast, I'll explain it as well. So it's a little doodle, and there's um, the same mountains, or twice, and there's kind of like a, a sort of hump halfway up, and there's a little person looking up at how much, how far there is still to go, going, whoa. And then the second drawing is the same person looking at how far they've come and also saying, whoa. And I don't know where you sort of naturally, what kind of person you're more like, but I'm definitely more like the first one. So I can look ahead and I can be overwhelmed by how much there still is to do. And I ignore kind of how far I've come and I forget sometimes to celebrate and be encouraged by, you know, how much has been achieved. And I think that picture is something that God's really um, used to, to speak to me about just going, right, slow down, Joe, just look back. There's loads that, that we've achieved. And I think it's important that we have a look at what those specific are. So that's kind of what I'm going to do this morning. I'm going to say, whoa, as we look back, and I'm going to say, whoa, as we look forward and give us maybe some things that might be ahead. And then I'm just going to talk about like three priorities, which I feel are going to be important for us as a church going forward. Um, So I guess it's the nearest we get to like a vision Sunday or kind of something like that. Um, But it's also important to say that like our ethos here is very much that not one person sort of leads the church. So we have um, a bunch of different governance groups. And because we're a Baptist church, we have a church membership, um, which is basically a bunch of people that have kind of signed up to say yes this is my church and I want to be um, part of it and help shape it and, and lead it so this might be you know this is what I think but hopefully we'll have some space later for maybe what you think and also just encourage you to reflect as well and, and you know let me know what, what what you think I always love to hear feedback but this is just you know disclaimer this is just my my opinion um, and so you know there'll be things I miss and things that you'll want to say which are equally as, as important so I'll look forward to hearing those so, looking back, whoa, looking back, what have we as Oasis Hub Bath achieved in 2019? And what are some of the things that I think, you know, we can be really, really thankful for and proud of? So, firstly, I think we, we're well integrated into Oasis. So, for those that don't know, we, um, as Hayhill Baptist Church, we joined Oasis in 2018. Um, so, we became Oasis Church Bath and we um, set up an independent registered charity called Oasis Hub Bath. Um, which is now sort of the, the how we operate. So we have a church and then we do um, wider work in the community as part of um, the hub. And the hub, um, uh, the word hub is not this building. Hub is what Oasis use to describe anything that they do in the community in a particular area. So we do some stuff in Twerton, and Southdown, but that's still at Oasis Hub Bath because it's kind of an, just an umbrella term for the stuff that we do. So I think joining Oasis, I mean, I'm biased because... 
like I'm employed by them, but I think they're amazing. <laughs> and I think that joining Oasis has given us what we needed. I feel like it's the final kind of piece of the puzzle of like, there were lots of things that were kind of forming before and Oasis has just given us the kind of, um, the platform, I guess, to do the things that we really want to do and to be the kind of, um, I guess, entity that we want to be, the kind of presence that we want to be in the city. And I think that's given us a stronger identity. Um, it's given us a stronger purpose. It's given us a stronger um, identity in the city and good uh, relationships and links with others that perhaps before were kind of just, just at, at the early stage. So I think that is brilliant. And there's so many times I've sort of heard from different people, you know, it's great because, you know, we were part of Oasis, it's given us that. And there's things for me that I just wouldn't have been able to have done without the infrastructure and support and resources that Oasis has. So I think that's been really, really good. Um, we have changed our governance structure, so that's kind of what you see on the screen now, so we, our little egg. So before we had one leadership team, which were also the trustees, um, which just didn't work as a community charity. We just, there was too much for one group of people to do, and what we found is that people had different areas of expertise, and they were kind of sort of being expected to do everything, and it just it wasn't working. So I have to say, it was a bit of a headache, I just thinking, this is so, because it is quite complicated, because we're a Baptist church, we're a charity, you know, it's, we're part of Oasis, um, you know, there's lots of different sort of identities and hats, I guess, that we have as part of one thing. So I knew it was going to be complicated, but we've, we've nailed it, I think. We found this structure which really works. So we've got this, um, obviously we've got our trustees who are now released to be more like uh, charity trustees, more like what the Charity Commission recommends trustees actually do. And then we've got these amazing steering groups. So our hub steering group looks after the community work side of what we do. It's more of like an advisory group. And then the church steering group takes care of, of um, sort of, I guess, Sundays and what we would more kind of obviously define as sort of church things. Um, but the, the kind of, there's an overlap because some things are, are blurry and we like it that way. And then there are some steering groups which sit underneath that um, which relate to like specific projects. We've got a building task group that's helping sort out some of the stuff in the building. Um, we've got Make Lunch steering group, which obviously looks after our Make Lunch project, which is our holiday hunger um, program that we run in, in the summer. So I think the governance structure is working and it's exciting and we've had new people step up and join those groups and I'm, I just think that that's what we need and I'm really, really proud of the, the kind of solution that we found for that. Um, the building changes, so I think that's been a big part of what we've um, what we've talked about in the past is needing to be something that we do urgently. We've got a real hope and a vision to turn this building into much more of a community centre where there's things happening every day by different groups, organisations, but also projects and things that we want to deliver. And we've made a huge amount of progress in already improving what's here. So um, <clears throat> I borrowed a little uh, nifty camera from a friend, thanks, Ed. Um, and made not a great film. It's, it's not good when you've got a media lecturer sat in the room and it was a bad edit, okay, but I did my best. So I thought it would just be cool to like give you a bit of a walk around the building and show you some of the kind of obvious things that we've done in terms of changes. So we'll just watch a little film. It's about two, three minutes long. So yeah, that just scratches the surface, actually, of some of the stuff that we've done. Like, I couldn't really put, we cleaned out our gutters. That's not particularly exciting, but it was important. So we've done a lot that also is not that exciting to put in a video, but yeah, um, we've done. And it isn't just about making the building shinier because it looks nice. It's about what we say about when people walk in the door and how welcome they are and how they feel about what we're doing and, and how welcome they, they are. And I think... Um, 
the impact of doing some of that work on new people, not just the church, but also the groups that meet downstairs. So we have a lot of different community groups that use our, our um, our building and just they've talked they've spoken to me and Elaine who's our administrator here about you know just feeling like the place is loved again that there's a better relationship now between um, the groups and that's that's really helped they're talking to us more about what they want to see in the building and and there's lots um, you know that, that wasn't there before in terms of relationships which is great and the other thing about the building is the grants that we've managed to access so we got a small grant which has paid for um, a couple of water heaters which was brilliant um, and then we've also got quite a big grant as many of you know from St John's and we've got £20,000 to pay for a feasibility study which will basically look at the whole building and give us a plan for how to move forward with a, a major refurbishment and so that is a fantastic achievement um, and we're really excited about getting on with that in, in the year ahead. Um, okay so other stuff I'm sort of on to the last half of this bit so giving I think we just need to really celebrate that we've really raised our, our level of giving when I first got here it was quite frightening um, what we needed to do to just make ourselves uh, sustainable and we've made huge huge progress in that so we've increased our regular giving by something like 66% obviously with the grants as well we're not where we need to be but we're a lot further on which is a really um, exciting achievement our micro hubs so that's our name for kind of our small sort of midweek groups we've kind of rebranded our small groups called the micro hubs we've started two new groups which are starting this month and I think um, you know the existing groups that we've got were so important as well and just giving them a sense of sort of identity and bringing those into the wider kind of vision of what we do and also I think if you're kind of newer here and, the, and this was feedback from a lot of people that had joined us you know there, were, there weren't really many options in terms of like midweek groups and without those groups it's very difficult to actually build relationships and get to know people so I'm really pleased that we've got some more options for people now and linked to that I think it's easier to be newer here so I think we're better at welcoming people perhaps beyond their first couple of weeks and there's some stuff now there's information to actually read about who we are and what we do there's um, it's obvious who people are we're better at kind of introducing ourselves at you know making people feel like they understand kind of who we are and what we do so I think we've, we've got really good at that and obviously like our community projects um, Make lunch is just always the thing that I'm just so so proud of and um, you know the fact that that we do that and it's so well respected in the city so many people know what it is and for those that don't know it's um, aims to alleviate holiday hunger so we put sessions on in South Down and Twerton every school holiday and provide meals for children and their families who are um, eligible for free school meals so it's it, and we do crafts and activities as well it's, it's a brilliant project and I know there's lots of you involved in it um, but that has some huge potential to grow we're looking at some options for that we're looking at refurbishing the kitchen downstairs so that we can actually cook food here we're pretty ready to go with this city centre session as well which will see um, children and families that live in the city centre being able to access make lunch provision as well and I just it's really exciting kind of where that could go and I'm just really proud of it as a project it's fantastic we did our school shoes project as well in the summer so we collected loads of good quality um, secondhand shoes or new shoes and we distributed those to families in need that was really successful and it helped us kind of build again more good relationships with schools and local people we've also launched our kinship carers support group this year and that um, we've sorry last year and so we're starting that up again so that's a monthly support group for kinship carers so people who have taken on the care of a, a child who's normally a family member so it's very often grandparents whose child can't look after their child for a number of different reasons from um, might be addiction might be mental health and usually it's not a good reason so um, you know these 
people just really need a lot of support and they don't receive anywhere near the level of support that foster carers or people who adopt do. So it was a real need and we've seen it. We've worked with Bain's uh, family placement team to put this support group on and the difference that it's making already is just fantastic. I mean, the um, the people that have come to it have said things like, you know, there was one lady at the end of a group who just sort of said, oh, had no idea I had so much to say. And I just thought, oh, thank God that you've got somewhere that you can say it because... They're so isolated and they're, they're dealing with so much so, so often. They're often quite traumatised young people. They're having to learn how to parent again. Um, you know, there's loads and there's just not much support. So to be able to provide this is, yeah, really, really cool. And we're looking at sort of developing that as well. So we'll work with this group of people to kind of go, right, what else do you need and what can we as a hub do um, to meet that need? Um, and also just our partnerships with other agencies and organisations are just starting to grow and develop. So we've got more things in the pipeline, which I think are sort of developing from that, which is great. So we've made huge uh, progress when it comes to our community work. And then finally, I think, I mean, again, I'll just keep going all day, can I, because we've done loads. But I think one of the things that I'm really, really proud of as well is, is our LGBT inclusion and, and some of the things that we've done to be really clear about that. Um, so Off the Record, which is a, a charity that works with young people in the city, they do various different services like counselling and advocacy, but um, they have a, an LGBT plus youth group called Space. And they invited me to come and speak about kind of faith and sexuality and gender um, and kind of, you know, the church and historically perhaps hasn't been known um, for being so kind and welcoming and inclusive. And just to be able to have that conversation, we gave them the flyers which are on our info desk, which say sorry for the way that the church has treated the LGBTQ community and just... It was one of the coolest things I've ever done, like to just see the response. And now off the record, get in touch with me when there's a young person who's having, a, you know, either is exploring sexuality or gender and has got an issue with faith um, or kind of aligning the two or there's parents that maybe have a faith and they're finding it difficult. And so they've actually referred um, young people to, to us. They tell young people about us. They told young people about the carol service that we did. I mean, what a great like relationship for us to have with them. I think that's just brilliant. And then obviously lots of you came to our LGBT affirming carol service in December, which was absolutely rammed i vastly underestimated the number of chairs that we needed we even went and got like the dusty ones from the basement it was amazing <laughs> um, and it's not about the church being full but it's about who the church was full of you know people that perhaps before um, and you know just the comments i got i mean i just needed to go home and like weep for about half an hour because it was just oh it was just such a beautiful thing uh, there was a guy who came up to me and he said you know I, I used to be an anglican priest and when i came out that was basically the end of that and he said this is the first time in 20 years I'm going to get emotional, that I felt safe in a church. And we provided that, you know, we enabled that. And it's, it's just beautiful, like the, the healing and the redemption and just amazing. It was one of the best things that we've done. I probably won't say any more stories from myself. I'll, I'll cry again, but it was wonderful. And if you were there, you'll know, you'll know what I mean. Just the sense of, um, of love and affirmation and inclusion and just saying, you know, finally there's... there's you don't just have to be included and accepted. You are celebrated and involved. You know, it was like LGBT people running the show. <laughs> um, and that's where we want to get to. And to lead the way in that was just, yeah, the coolest thing. And I'm, I'm really proud of us. And I, and I want to say as well, because I know we are all on different places in our journey with that. So maybe I know I've spoken to people, you know, in the last couple of weeks who don't know what they think on that. And that's okay. Um, but together as a community, we make it clear um, that we are welcoming and celebrating of people, whatever their orientation or gender identity. And, and we're, we're really kind of living that out now. And it's just absolutely wonderful to see. And it's changing people's lives. It really is. It's incredible. So yeah. So that's quite good, isn't it, for one year? 
I feel like um, we can we can celebrate and be really, really, really thankful to God for what he's enabled us to do. Um, yeah. Okay, so looking forward then. What's kind of like up the mountain that we need to be aware for, for this year? Well, I think there's the feasibility study. So actually pulling that off is going to be a massive task. And thankfully, we're going to pay an architect to do it. So we, but it's still going to involve a lot, of, a lot of work. And actually, we do need to be prepared that the results of that might not be good news. Um, so we don't really know structurally. Um, we think the building's OK, but we don't know for sure. And we're going to have all these different types of surveys and reports and things done on it. Um, but you know, it, it's going to cost a huge amount of money. And it's going to be a, a long, long road ahead of us to, to make that happen. Now, I'm, I'm very confident we're going to do it. But but it's a big old mountain, and it's just being aware that, that that's going to be, um, you know, a significant thing. But I feel like we're starting in the best possible place for, for where we want to get to. But, yeah, and I think related to that as well, there's probably some challenges, isn't there, with the building um, while we still wait for it. So we had some, some training here yesterday, and I walked into the ground floor kitchen and turned the light on. I was like, no. Nothing. That's the third time that light has broken in about two months. So, and there's things like that all the time. Just you know, some stuff needs upgrading, and there's frustrations. It can get pretty cold in here, can't it? On a Sunday, we we um, are so environmentally awful because of the amount of energy that we lose because of all the windows are cracked, and you know. So there's a lot going on already, which is challenging now, and it will be years before we're able to kind of do something about some of those things. So there's there's some challenges. Um, our boiler is something like. 35 years old, um, looking around if that's wrong. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> so, you know, that's, uh, that's interesting, and uh, that could go at any moment, so joy. <laughs> um, but there's risks, so just being aware of that, I think sometimes it can be challenging. Giving as well. So we, while I say we've, you know, we've hugely improved in that, and it's a massive achievement. We're we're nowhere near where we need to be. So at the moment, we operate at a deficit of about fifteen thousand pounds a year, and we're using our reserves to kind of make sure that we can operate. But that's still a, a huge amount of money, and it, you know, we just need to be honest about that. And um, I'm doing everything that I can in terms of grants and trusts and looking at other income streams. But actually, there's going to come a sense where most of what we need to raise is still regular giving, and also how we do things like fundraising events sponsored challenges you know if everybody kind of did one thing just to bring in a, a bit more money we'd probably be not that far off so that's just something I think for everyone to think about um, and again that's that's sort of I think it's needed a shift in mindset hasn't it from from perhaps just being a church to then being this community charity where um, you know it does need a sense of, of responsibility from everybody to kind of be doing those kind of events and fundraising activities and things and I think we just need to probably get our heads together maybe at a community forum and go right you know what what have we got in the room what can we do because I think yes regular giving is great and we need to um, increase that and if you don't give regularly to us can I encourage you to think about that and there's a form that just says join us and it's on the info desk at the back um, and the best way to help us is to give regularly out of, your, out of your bank account and whatever amount you can afford is still a, a huge, huge help. And that's mostly how we, how we survive, really. But we need to kind of keep raising that and that will be a big challenge in the year ahead. Um, I think some of the projects that we want to do are probably the other things. So priorities this year are going to be just how we take make lunch to the next level. So again, the refurb in the ground floor kitchen would enable us to... Uh, to cook here, which would just be amazing, but having a commercial kitchen in a space like that is obviously an, a major, major project, and it's going to cost a lot of money. And again, I'm confident we can do it, but it's a big task. 
Um, and I think also there's some other stuff around make lunches that we've got a, a kind of strategy meeting, which would be really good this month. But just to think about how we sort of still appeal to, to maybe new families that we're not aware of who really need us. How do we get the word out to the right people um, will be part of what we need to think about in 2020. And then a big priority is going to be getting our pantry project growing, uh, going. Sorry. So we've um, we explored this idea of a community fridge in our basement space, which you've seen in the in the film, and. Uh, we have landed on a, a model where we're going to partner with a charity called Fair Share, who are an amazing charity who basically work with the food industry to redistribute loads of surplus food. Um, so the, the food industry always overproduces. So sometimes they're just stuff they just they're never going to sell. And um, rather than it going to landfill, it goes to basically projects, schools, anybody that needs it. And we're going to work with them to create our pantry scheme, which is where people perhaps on low incomes would be a great thing for them because they'll pay something like three pounds. A week to go and get like 10 items from the pantry which will be kept downstairs so we'll have fridges we'll have cupboards some of it will be kind of fresh stuff like meat and dairy some of it will be um oh what's the word like dry stuff it's not the right word it's called something looking at me i don't know what yeah, there you go. Thanks, Dave. Yeah, we'll go with that. Non-perishable items, so like cans and things like that. So you come in and you pay your £3 membership, you get 10 items. And if you walked into a supermarket and bought the same thing, it would probably cost you about between £20 and £30. So it's a fantastic provision. But the idea is that obviously we'll build relationships with those families. We'll be able to signpost, refer and perhaps develop other services out of that. Um, so we're really, really excited to start that. But again, there's a lot of work that I need to do in terms of filling in grant applications and working out what we do with our basement and how we fit for and where we put them and all that sort of thing. Um, so that, for me, is a real um, priority of this year. Bro, and then I think sort of wider than that, and this is sort of the la last part of, of the talk, really, is thinking about these three priorities for the year. So you can put that slide up now with those three little things on. Um, which, yeah, I, th I think is more about maybe... Um, more abstract, a bit more aspirational, sort of maybe three things that I think are going to be important for us to think about. So we talked before about um, about this idea of, a, of an egg, and I think it was a while ago during a, one of our sort of community forum meetings I shared that I felt like God was saying that we were, we were like an egg. So in some ways we're really strong and we have all this capacity to give birth to new life, to sustain um, you know, something new and um, in lots of other ways we're, we're quite fragile actually and we need to kind of try to build our resilience and be stronger and in lots of ways I think we are stronger you know we've we've changed our governance structure so we've got you know several teams rather than one the grants we've received the improvements that we've made our microbes all these things are things that have made us stronger but I just think you know that needs to sort of keep keep going and I think when we think about, you know, how does how does something get stronger? One way is through growth. And uh, it's been really exciting to see the church grow numerically. And that's fantastic. And it has made us stronger. It's given us, um, you know, more people with different different experiences, different backgrounds, different gifts, things we didn't have before. Um, and it's been, it's been wonderful to welcome new people into the community. And in some ways, growing numerically does make us stronger. Um, but it isn't just about numbers. And we're, we're never really going to be a church that wants to just, like, grow numerically because I think growth is much more than just numbers and um, I'm, not, I'm not a scientist but I heard that the strongest part of an egg is the top and the bottom so I think you know while we need to grow upwards outwards we need to grow numerically we also need to kind of grow downwards as well we need to have you know stronger roots deeper connections and not just with God but with each other I think you know we need to kind of strengthen our relationships with each other and make sure that we're actually are living life alongside each other supporting each other 
and also ourselves. I think growth is a big part um, of, of what, what we need to do this year is grow uh, in ourselves as individuals. And I'm particularly passionate about that. I think uh, the life of a disciple for me is one of growth. So we sometimes, our banners at the moment are our sort of Christmassy ones, which we haven't taken down yet. But um, we normally have banners up there that say, come as you are. And I think, um, and I love them. And that's one of our things as a church. We want to be someone where we can say, come as you are. But if we're truly following Jesus, then we don't stay as we are. You know, we grow, we change, we learn. And it's one of the reasons we um, are beginning the series that we're beginning next week, because we know we've got this idea that eternal life life is not something over there after we die eternal life and life in all its fullness is and is for now it's for this life and this earth and we want to start living that out now that promises for us now um, and I think so often we are, one of the things I love about this church is the amount of like quite feisty activists that we've got you know we want to change the world don't we, we want to get stuff done I nearly swore um we want to, you know, see people's lives changed, transformed. You know, that's 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 what drives a lot of us, and it fuels us. Um, and I love this uh, C.S. Lewis quote. I think this is one of one of the uh, from one of the Narnia films. To defeat the darkness out there, we must defeat the darkness within. And it's really irritating that actually, you know, to make a difference in the world, to do something of real significance, God nearly always starts with, okay, you first. <laughs> so there's stuff within us that we need to deal with, hurts that we need to move past, um, issues that we need to process and deal with. And that's hard, but that's how we ultimately live this eternal life this life in all its fullness that's how we become the best versions of ourselves and I want to be that version of myself I don't want um, to I mean I want to be someone that processes my stuff not projects it I mean I want to make sure that I'm aware of who I am and the ways that I can react to things because of things I've been through or because of things that are important to me and I think that we need to do a bit more work as a community on ourselves and I include myself in that um, and that that's what growth looks like and some of that is going to be really hard some of that's going to mean that we might need to do the hard work of something like counselling or therapy. It might mean that we need to um, read more, study more on a particular topic because it's important that we know what we think on it. It might be that we need to let go of things or move on from relationships that are perhaps toxic or not helping us be um, that best version of ourselves. And I can't say what that will look like for you, um, but growth has got to start within us. You know, change comes from within has been a, a good phrase for me sort of in the last couple of years. And um, I can't think of a better metaphor, so I'm really sorry, but I basically want to say that we need to smoke what we're selling. <laughs> You're going to fire me now, aren't you? So it's been a great year. Thanks a lot. All the best. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I'm kind of going to brain, blame Brian McLaren a little bit because I read an article about him talking about sort of what he felt were like the big priorities for kind of the church in the next uh, few years. Um, so it's his fault, not mine. But he, he says that one of the things is that we've got to smoke what we're selling and maybe he interprets it slightly differently. But, you know, if we're telling people that uh, you know, we live this transformed life that, you know, we want to share the gospel, whether that's verbally or through the stuff that we do and um, practically, you know, whatever way, if we're not living that out, um, people are not, you know, we're hypocrites. And, uh, and it's, you know, we, we've got to start understanding that when we want to help people out there and um, the gospel, like the life with Jesus in all its fullness is just as much for us as it is for everybody out there. And so there's this kind of dual thing I think we've got of like working on ourselves and sort of the inward life and not being too navel gazy and stopping there, but also then going out and then, you know, living that out and showing other people what that can look like. 
So drugs are bad, but we need to smoke what we're selling. <laughs> Moving on, okay. <laughs> so the second priority, I think, is about taking ownership. And this is something that I've been um, really blessed by. I've seen people really doing this. So um, we co- we've kind of moved in our understanding, I think, of church not being something that we come to on a Sunday, but actually a community that we're part of. But being part of something means that it's got the same roots, participating, which is giving, which is serving, which is... Um, encouraging, contributing, speaking out when you need to. Um, And it's really, really important that we just continue to do that. And there are some people maybe that do that more than others, if we're honest. And it's just good for us all to individually kind of assess what is our part? You know, what, what part do we play in this? And there's a sense of, like I said, of perhaps just continuing to take ownership of that. And I've seen that in great ways of people stepping onto groups, even though they're a bit nervous or not sure if that's, um, you know, if it's going to work out, but they're just willing to give it a go. You know, people that have, again, stepped onto new teams that they've not done before because they, they see a need and they just know it needs, it needs filling. Um, you know, more people coming to community forums and members meetings and, and speaking out and, and contributing to those. And all of those things are really important. And they're part of what helps us to grow as well. Um, So taking ownership um, is is going to be really important over the next year, I think. And I think for me also, there's there's something really important about being new. So I think what's been a good learning thing, what's good about being new in the job, as in I've been here a year, Sarah and I were obviously both new to the church. So we experienced being newbies and, uh, you know, what it was like. And, uh, you know, people did all these things that we were like, what does that mean? And that person's just made an in-joke about their job, but I don't know what they do for a job, so I'm really confused about what's going on right now. (laughs) And it was really good to kind of experience it as a new person. Um, And like I said, I think we've made loads of um, progress in terms of uh, welcoming new people into the community. But I think we need to... um, I suppose I think we're really good at welcoming new people the first few weeks. And then after, like, week five, that's, I think, what we could do a bit more work on. So, like... If I went round to, I'm just looking at Lee and John because you're on the front row, I'm sorry. But if I went round to Lee and John's house and like I came through the door and I just stood in the, they've got like a little reception area before you go into any of the rooms and they just left me there and didn't say, you know, come into the lounge or, you know, I'd, I'd probably stand there for a bit, but I'd feel a bit weird. And then I'd kind of feel like I wasn't welcome and I'd probably just go home. So I think, I think the metaphor is we've got to move people past the reception area. We've got to actually go, how do we integrate these people into our family? You know, how do we get them around the dining room table? How do we, um, in the living room, you know, how do we make food with them in the kitchen? I think there's all these different places of our home as a church that we need to kind of, um, you know, I guess, welcome people into. And I think that it's really challenging because before we joined Oasis, obviously, I think mostly we we had been the same kind of people for quite a long time. And lots of you have been part of this church for a long, long time. And I think with that, it becomes more challenging to do things differently because you get used to the way things are and people have got their friendships and they hang out with them and, you know, it's all quite set. And I think we've, we need to, to kind of mix it all up a little bit again and be prepared to kind of go, actually... Uh, when was the last time I invited someone around for, for dinner after church that I don't know so well? Or can I grab a coffee with somebody after work? Or is there just ways of just kind of getting to know people and actually making sure that they're part of our lives rather than just part of what we do on a Sunday? Um, I want to do this thing when I finally get around to organising it. I'm afraid it's going to happen, so brace yourselves. Uh, but I'm going to do. I'm going to call it Spare Chair Sunday just because it's really catchy. But I thought it would be really cool that we'll have loads of people that would be prepared to host and then other people that maybe would just go. And we'll all just have, have Sunday dinner together one day and it will just be a good opportunity to get to know people that perhaps you don't know. Um, so I'll, I'll get on that at some point. Everyone's like... <laughs> Brilliant. Okay, last thing then. Um, the return of hope. Okay, so there's a, 
a page of my notebook. Uh, you can't see, you can just about see. But when I was preparing for um, the interview for this job, I listened to this Joining the Dots podcast, which is um, a talk that I think a bunch of different people contributed to it. But it kind of maps the, the journey of the church and it's lots of really exciting things like our history and where we've come from. And uh, I think I listened to it originally because I was like, what I'm going to do is I'm going to listen to the podcast. And I'm going to like strategically put all these things in. Like, so they'll be like, she listened to the Joining the Dots podcast. <laughs> so it was a bit of a like strategic move just to get the job, which I will say worked quite well. Um, but as I started listening to it, it just wrecked me. I was like sitting there just bawling with like, I don't care whether I get this job or not. Like, we are joining this church because it just was like, there were all these things that were just leaping out of me, like personally and, you know, things that, that connected in with so much of who we were as people and the history of it all and where they wanted to go and what was important. And it was just a, a beautiful moment of kind of listening to and just writing all these things down. And so when I was preparing for this talk, I wanted to kind of revisit that page in my notebook. And there was one phrase that just jumped out at me. And it was, I think on, the, on there, you can't see it, but it, it's, it's the return of hope after a period of despair and that I think is yeah the return of hope that is that is our thing maybe that is our main thing for for 2020 and I don't know maybe I'm personalizing it too much but I think if, if I could sum up 2019 it would be that it would be the return of hope and uh, those that have known me maybe before here know I mean I used to be pretty cynical I've always been the like glass half empty if there's a problem I will find it if there's a, a way that if so something doesn't work I'm, I'm the critic and uh, um, sometimes that's hard for people and it's hard for me because I'm, I'm you know like I said I'm not always able to see the good or the, the celebrating and um, you lot have just completely ruined that uh, I'm one of those really annoying optimistic happy people now that's just got all this hope about stuff and is expecting things to, to work out and be really good and I feel so full of hope for for who we are and what we're doing and I know that it's going to work out I know that God is going to do significant things through us he's already is the building thing's going to work out in five years we will be sat in a completely transformed building um, and normally I'm the one that's like oh but you know it's going to cost loads of money and I know it is but we're going to do it and I just feel this deep sense of hope that can only be from God because I'm not a particularly um, optimistic happy hopeful person but I feel like maybe that's something that God just wants us to 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 let happen, you know, let hope return. And for, for you guys, you know, a lot of us that have been part of this church for a while, I think the church has actually been through some really difficult times. And for lots of us that have kind of been through this faith deconstruction of like working out um, the sort of evangelical Christianity that we've known and maybe what isn't working about that and what's hard about that and what we've had to pick through theologically and that painful process of like of deconstructing and then reconstructing. Um, it's hard and you know we've seen the damage that evangelical Christianity can do but we've also seen the things that it can do that's good so we've had to like work all of that out and some of us are still right in the middle of that and so am I and and there's still so much to work through but I think that's where it gets really exciting because we get to be part of the rebuild so after deconstruction comes reconstruction, after chaos comes order, and after despair comes hope. And I really feel like this is the year that we're going to start to dream and hope again. Um, and that's some of those maybe hard times of, of working it all out and deconstructing. And of course, there's still some of that to do. 
Um, but I feel like that's something that's happening not just here, but it's happening all over the place. And even within Oasis, you know, there's conversations with other churches that are wanting to do what we've done. There's, um, and, it, you know, within that sense of Oasis, it's also about, like, the same place of, like, actually, there's loads about evangelical Christianity that's really great. So how do we take what's good and keep it? How, you know, what's the process of sort of, like, sifting through what we don't want to just chuck out and reject, but equally what we want to move on and change and be part of creating something different? That is like literally what I feel like I was born for to just be part of that reconstruction of like I believe in the gospel I believe in Jesus I believe I'm a Christian and I'm I'm starting to reclaim that word and be proud of that um and 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 kind of living out and showing people what it can look like that you you can be evangelical you can be um expressive about your faith you can want to live it out but you can be inclusive you can be a firm you can be those things at the same time and yeah being part of the rebuild, I'm, I'm up for that. And it's funny that we even in this little metaphor of a church that we're kind of, you know, rebuilding and refurbishing. And maybe that's kind of what's happening inside of us as well. So let this be the year that hope returns. And I think it's worth, and I'm near the end now, it's worth saying as well that hope is not this like fluffy, passive feeling that like, oh, I'm really hopeful and I'm just going to sit here and do nothing. For me, hope is like the rocket fuel. It's like this passionate belief that things can be different to the way they are now. Um, this quote popped up on social media, which I absolutely love. Hope is not a lottery ticket you can sit on the sofa and clutch feeling lucky. It is an axe you break down doors with in an emergency. Hope should shove you out the door because it will take everything you have to steer the future away from endless war, from the annihilation of the earth's treasures and the grinding down of the poor and marginal. To hope is to give yourself to the future and that commitment to the future is what makes the present inhabitable. That is the kind of hope that I believe that God is inviting us to feel again, all of us, individually and as a community, that all is not lost, that we can turn this around, that we have a different way of living and we want to show what other people, show other people what that looks like and that it starts inside us, with us. So strengthen the egg, take ownership and let hope return with perhaps that last one being, um, yeah, more of an emphasis, I think. So before, um, I'm going to play a song in a minute because I feel like maybe I've chucked a lot at you and it's good some, sometimes just to have a bit of time to reflect. And the song I'm going to play is a song that meant a lot to me when I was younger and it was one of those songs that I used to kind of belt out in, in full um, just belief of what God was going to do um, through some of the stuff that I was involved in. And like, it was funny because I couldn't listen to it for a couple of years because it was like, Ugh. I was going through my little cynical deconstruction thing and I'm really liking it again. Um, and I love the, the chorus of it. So in a minute, we're going to listen to that. And um, during that, like I said, it isn't just about what I think. So if there are things that you're sitting there and you're like, oh, God's, I feel like God's really wanting to say this to us or there's something that you want to share um, during the song, just come up and let me know. And hopefully we'll have a bit of time at the end for people to kind of share some stuff if that's what they want to do. Um, but equally, don't feel that you, you need to do that. Um, either you can just kind of enjoy the song and I think think about let God use the song as a way of like building your hope again of letting hope return and then final thing before we listen to that is I mentioned these questions that we looked at um, last week in our communion Sunday and I think there is a slide with them on you might not be able to see them but they're just 10 questions for 2019 and I've printed out loads of copies and put them on the info desk at the back. And can I just really encourage you, just I'm saying this again because quite a few people weren't here last, last week, um, grab one of these and just sit down with um, either, do it on your own if you're, if you're a journaler, you kind of like spending time, you know, grab a coffee, sit, 
go through them or do it with your partner, do it with your family, with your kids, and just chat through these questions because lots of people, I think, have found these really helpful. And Sarah and I went and grabbed a coffee and just spent like an hour kind of going through them. And it just really helped focus our attention on um, not just the year past, but also it, it helps you then think about, okay, right, well, what am I doing in, in the year ahead? What are some of the things that I, I want to work on? And um, we, uh, we were talking about, like, you know, fits and habits, the things that we wanted to sort of do better. And instantly I deleted a stupid game on my phone, which I've just spent, like, way too much time playing, which is such a waste of my time. And I just thought, why? But having the conversation just was like, I'm just going to do that right now because that's, like, an instant way. So it kind of it helped me look at the year back, but it also helped me go, right, these are the things that I'm not going to do or I'm going to do better at in the year ahead. Um, so, yeah, at some point, um, you know, maybe at the end of the service, do grab one of those, and I'd really encourage you to, to sort of use it as a tool just to help you uh, and your family as well. So we're going to listen to the song and just use it to just let God kind of, I guess, bring hope back in us. But if there is something that you'd like to come and share um, afterwards, I'll just be sitting kind of over there. So, yeah, come and grab me. All right. Thanks, guys. You can play it. You're listening to a podcast from Oasis Church Bath. To find out more about us, visit our website at www.oasisbath.org.